0: And I can't wait to hear your podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Now go out there and make some podcasts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Whitfield Report. I'm your host, Sam Whitfield, broadcasting live from NGC TV Studios here in South Florida. And I'm sorry about the uh, late start to to, uh, tonight's show. We uh, had some technical difficulties with the streaming software, but they, uh, things have gotten re- resolved now, so we should be up and running, um, at normal capacity now. At any- at anyway, folks, uh, thanks for joining us live. Quick announcement. Um, I want to make a couple quick announcements. First off, uh, this will be our last show in the current time slot. Um, starting on, starting next week, I'll be moving the show to six p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as opposed to our normal time slot of eight p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the reason being is I uh, I've joined a network of youtubers slash podcasters known as the dangerines and uh the dangerines are kind of an offshoot of the uh unbearables so to speak the the unbearables are of course still welcome to watch and participation from the unbearables is encouraged but the dangerines have a stream of their own uh called the danger zone and uh the, the Danger Zone will be starting at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time next week. That's when they'd like to start the show. So with that in mind, I have gracel- graciously agreed to allow them that time slot um, so that they can start their show at 8 p.m. So uh, from now on, the uh, this show, The Whitfield Report, is going to uh, begin at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and, uh, then you can catch The Danger Zone at 8 p.m. Eastern Time after this show. Uh, so those are the announcements. Uh, and as always, you can reach me by, uh, with the following information, as always, for those of you watching on video, you can clearly see this. But for those of you listening on the podcast, you can tweet me at samdbundurr underscore NGC, hashtag Whitfieldreport. You can also contact me on Gab at Sam Whitfield, Instagram at samdbundurr underscore Of course, you can download the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts from by going to anchor.fm for slash Whitfield Report, and links to the podcast and everything else is on that page um, where you can download the audio version of this shit. Alright, folks, so with that in mind, I want to give a shout-out to uh, our uh, chat participant. Participants right now we have uh, Kimmy and Weasel, who are regulars. Um, Hopefully we'll have some more of our regulars dropping into the YouTube uh, chat. No Periscope simulcasting uh, tonight, folks. I couldn't figure out. Periscope has changed some things around, and uh, now Restream isn't letting me uh, fully integrate with the streaming software, so apologies to the people who would watch this on Periscope usually, but nevertheless, we're going to have a great show, and it looks like my audio quality is a lot better, uh, too, so I'm glad that I got that fixed as well. All right, folks, um, so for tonight's topics we have a couple big ones that i want to uh cover jordan peterson um was profiled in the new york, uh, in the new york times this week this profile came on thursday and it got a lot of notoriety it was trending at, as the number 1 topic on twitter for all of Thursday night, and a, uh, a, a significant portion of Friday, actually. Now, yesterday I was actually uh, under the weather. I still kind of am, uh, as some of you might hear in my voice. It's nothing major, just uh, allergies, somewhat, but still. Uh, seasonal allergies can be somewhat of a bitch uh, sometime. But anyway, I was... Uh, although I was in bed for most of the day, I did manage to uh, read this New York times profile on Jordan Peterson. And I I guess the most obvious observation I can make just uh, right off the bat firsthand is it's written by a feminist, uh, by a blue haired feminist. And it's pretty obvious that this is the case. And it's, pretty obvious that her bias is against, uh, Jordan Peterson from the outset. And, uh, it seems like she tries to make Jordan Peterson out to be some sort of fascist, uh, slash communist sympathizer, which is ironic, um, because Peterson, as most of you know, is a staunch, individualist, that's what his show, uh, tends to thrive on, or not his show, but rather his whole, uh, doctrine tends to be all about it, is individualism and, uh, you know, individuality and being one's best self. I mean, he... I don't want to simplify things and say that he's a motivational speaker because he's clearly much more than that. But, you know, at the end of the day, he is there to help people improve their lives. And that's his bit. But because he's not on the political left, uh, they can't stand that about him. So obviously, since the left doesn't know what to do with him, they must destroy him. So I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be reading this, parts of this, uh, op-ed piece on Jordan Peterson from the New York Times. And for those of you watching on YouTube, um, you will be able to, uh, re-read along with me on my screen. Sup, bear, thanks for, uh, hitting the like button and thanks for, uh, commenting in the chat also make sure you hit that subscribe button buddy i i appreciate it if you haven't already um anyway though so i'm gonna go through this uh jordan peterson new york times op-ed piece and i i know folks it's the new york times and uh you know it's not it's not my favorite choice for uh Reading. It's not what I choose to read in my free time, usually, uh, except for show prep. But, uh, know thy enemy is the case. So in this case, so in this instance, let's go ahead and, uh, do a dissection of this op-ed. And, uh, it's, it has a great title. I'll give them that. I'll give the New York Times that. Uh, so here's the, uh, Here's the title of the piece. Jordan Peterson, custodian of the patriarchy. He says there's a crisis in masculinity. Why won't women just... Why won't women, all of these wives and witches, just behave? By Natalie Bowles. May 18th, 2018. Oh yeah, so that was published. It was... I'm sorry, it was... I guess it was written on Thursday, but then it was published yesterday. So, <clears throat> Toronto. Jordan Peterson fills huge lecture halls and tells the audience there's no shame in looking backwards to a model of how the words should be arranged. Look back to the 1950s, he says, and back even further. He tells audiences that they are smart. He is bringing them knowledge. Yes, but it is knowledge they already know and feel in their bones. He casts this as an ancient wisdom, delivered through religious allegories and fairy tales, which contain truth, he says, that modern society has forgotten. Most of his ideas stem from a gnawing anxiety around gender. The masculine spirit is under assault, he told me. It's obvious. In Mr. Peterson's world... Order is masculine. Chaos is feminism. And if an overdose of femininity is our new poison, Mr. Peterson knows the cure. Hence his new book's subtitle, An Antidote to Chaos. Alright, now, right off the bat, the left was already... Within five minutes of this getting posted, ladies and gentlemen, the far left was already criticizing this very phrase up here. Right? I've, I've got this highlighted. Um, in Mr. Peterson's world, orders masculine, chaos is feminism, and if an overdose of femininity is our new poison, Mr. Peterson knows the cure. Alright, so I've got that highlighted. You see that for those watching, uh, on YouTube. And, uh, they, and by the way, hello to, uh, Ludwig and Katrina and Jason. If you, are uh, pop in into the comments, I might not be able to, uh, get in there fully. And, uh, hello to you too, Brian. Um, but notice how, Uh, Nellie Bowles, gee, she even sounds like a feminist, has already phrased it so that, you know, chaos is feminism, and that's a a bad thing. Well, no, what what Peterson is referring to, and what he's referred to in his uh, what he's referred to in many of his lectures is that men tend to be better at organizational tasks, hence organizing things, and uh, thus order being more of a masculine trait and creativity being more of a, uh, a feminine tra- min- min trait. That's what he said. And, uh, you know, creativity, folks, usually tends to be more... Chaotic, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It it just is more feminine feminine, than uh, order is. And, uh, you know, if Miss Bowles had mentioned that in her op ed, then not that many people would be, you know, screaming at what a sexist uh, Peterson is. But, you know, uh, she, she left out the context of Peterson's lecture. In this case. So, uh, you know, we're not even to the end of the first paragraph. And I'm already able to dissect one of the fallacies with, uh, Natalie's op-ed. Okay. Yeah, I know it's a profile, but let's call it what it is. It's just an opinion piece, uh, dressed up as a quote-unquote profile. Hmm... Okay. We have we have to rediscover the eternal values and live them out he says. Mr. Peterson, 55, a University of Toronto psychology professor turned YouTube philosopher, turned mythical fog father figure has emerged as an influential thought leader. The messages he delivers range from uh Aries, self, help and, help and talk. Clean your room, stand up straight to the more retrograde and political. A society run as a patriarchy makes sense and stems mostly from men's competence. The notion of white privilege is a farce, which in today's society, folks, it is. Okay? And this is just the New York Times being their usual, uh, you know... Left-wing self saying that, masculine, that masculinity is the toxic masculinity is a is a big problem, uh, but no, it is a farce. Peterson is absolutely right about that. Okay, going on. Don't want to get worked up with a rant before I, uh, I, even, you know, finish this article. Anyway, I'll save my rants till the end. He is the stately-looking, pedigreed voice for a group of culture warriors who are who are working diligently to undermine mainstream and liberal efforts to promote equality. Uh, I'll save the comment for afterwards because that's a bunch of bullshit. <clears throat> anyway... He is also very successful. His book, 12 Rules for Life, which which was published in January, has sold more than 1.1 million copies. Thanks to his YouTube channel, he makes more than $80,000 a month just on donations. Well, it's not donations, folks. If any of you guys know how Patreon works, people post content, and then people subscribe to that content. It's capitalism. Um, hundreds of thousands of people have taken his online personality test in self-improvement writing exercises. The media covers him rel- relentlessly. Yeah, so joke's on you, New York Times. I'm sorry, folks. I can't help but interject my, uh, snide personal comments whenever the New York Times is, uh, involved. Anyway. For two days in May, Mr. Peterson gives me a view of his life. He shows me his home, lets me listen in on his business calls and a Skype session with a fan, and fallen backstage during a speaking engagement at the Queen Elizabeth Smile, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. He does not smile. He has weathered gaunt face and has bird furred eyebrows. He has written a about dogs being closest in behavior to humans but there's something extremely feline about him he uh, he always wears a suit I'm a very serious person he often says you have four free articles remaining subscribe to it. yeah no thanks wherever he goes he speaks in sermons about the inevitability of who we must be. You, you know you can say, well, this is unfortunate that chaos is represented by the feminine. Well, it might be unfortunate, but it doesn't matter because that's how it's represented. It's been represented like that forever, and there are reasons for it. You can't change it. It's not possible. This is underneath everything if you change those ba- basic categories people wouldn't be human any- anymore they'd be something else they'd be uh Tran. they'd be tra- tranish men or something oh transhuman or something we wouldn't be able to talk about these new creatures okay why men murder Now, this is my favorite part, so I'm going to try and do my, uh, best Orson Welles dramatic impression. Mr. Peterson's home is a crafty, is a carefully curated house of horror. He has it filled with a sprawl of art that covers the walls from floor to ceiling. Most of it is communist propaganda from the Soviet Union. Execution scenes. Soldiers looking noble. A constant reminder, he says, of atrocities and oppression. He wants to feel their imprisonment, though he lives here on a quiet residential street in Toronto and is quite free. Marxism is resurgent, Mr. Peterson says, looking ashen and stricken. I'd say it seems unnecessarily stressful to live like this. He tells me life is stressful. Which, uh, you know, ask any one of our regular chat room members. Life can be very stressful. Ask me. As a college student, life can be stressful. I don't know what's so controversial about that, folks. And back to the article. He he tucks his legs under him as he talks, curled in a dark leather seat. He has been paddling around softly in socks. He looks down while he talks, and he makes fleeting, suspicious eye contact. He quit his private practice last year and is on an early sabbatical from the University of Toronto. He dragged the school into controversy in 2016 by opposing a Canadian bill that he believed would compel him to use a student's preferred pronouns. Okay, now let me put an asterisk on the end of that paragraph. Because for the uninitiated, depending on how you look at it, That statement, he dragged the school into controversy, that is, that's more of an opinionative statement than it is a fact. The, The reality is, folks, depending on how you look at it, if you're on the left, then yeah, he dragged the school into controversy. Obviously, the New York Times is biased to the left. So, yeah, they're going to phrase it that way. But the way Peterson has explained it on numerous podcasts before, um, and in articles that he's written on his own, the university dragged him into the controversy by forcing him. So, see, this this is an example of blatant bias from the New York Times masquerading as an objective profile, again. So, continuing on, that's another quick dissection. I am not going to be a mouthpiece for a language I, de- I detest, and that's that he said during a debate at the University of Toronto. Mr. Peterson, who grew up in Fairview, Canada, a small town in northern Alberta, spent his career teaching psychology at Harvard and then at the University of Toronto, all while running a clinical practice. The lesson most patients need to hear, he says, is grow the hell up, accept some responsibility, and live an honorable life. We just haven't talked about that in any compelling way in three generations, he says. Probably since the beginning of the 60s. Why did he decide to engage in politics at all? He says a couple years ago, he had three clients in his private practice, pushed out of of his state of mental health, by lefting bullies in their workplace. I asked for an example and he sighs. He said he says one patient had to be a part of a long email chain over whether the term flip chop flip chart could be used in the workplace. Since the word flip is used as a pejorative for Filipino. She had a radical left boss who was really concerned with equality and equality of outcomes and all of these things and diversity and inclusivity and all of these buzzwords. And she was subjected to, she sent me the email chain, 30 emails about whether or not the word flip chart was acceptable. Mr. Peterson says, yeah, folks, you want to know the sad thing is, you know, I know for a fact well, that, well, I'm 99% positive that that probably happened, too. Because uh, it's getting this way here. Uh, also, n- I, for those of you watching on YouTube, and again, for those of you listening on the auto podcast, I'll link, uh, I'll link the article too so that, that those of you listening to this can read the article for yourselves but uh, notice how in this photograph they uh, they paint him as being very haggardy um, very tired and very kind of forlorn and depressed almost kind of crazed like yeah th- that picture's not you know unbiased at all Anyway, uh, back to the article. So he was radicalized, he says, because the radical left wants to eliminate hierarchies, which he says are the natural order, order of the world. In his book, he illustrates this idea with the social behavior of lobsters. He, cho- he chose lobsters because they have hierarchies and are a very ancient species and are also invertebrates with serotonin. The lobster hierarchy has become a rolling cr- cry for us fans. They put images of the crustacean on t-shirts and mugs. Ooh uh, that, yeah, that's so ominous that he puts lobsters on mugs and whatnot. Yeah, Meanwhile, own oh, Benjamin puts uh, bears, you know, grizzly bears, on his, you know, mugs and on his flasks and whatnot. Ooh, it's also it's also ominous. Speaking of, if if any if any of you guys have a uh, have a kind of spear animal or like an animal that you think I should kind of do for my podcast, let me know in the chat or in the comments i'm curious to know or or you can tweet at me uh and let me know i'm thinking of going with like a yellow with like a yellow labrador retriever because well i just love dogs and, and i think that they're noble but let me know anyway uh back to the article the left, he believes, refuses to admit that men might be in charge because they are better at it. The people who hold our culture, who hold that our culture is an oppressive patriarchy, they don't want to admit that the current hierarchy might be predicated on competence. He says. Mister Peterson illustrates his argument with copious references to ancient myths bringing up the stories of witches, biblical allegories, and ancient traditions. I ask why these old stories should guide us today. Really? Really, Nellie? I I find it hard to believe that that you are a New York Times, and yet you, uh, you know, did you, uh, did you, uh, take English lit when you were in college? Because, uh, if you did, I'm sure, I mean, English Lit, at least where I'm going to school, was, is mandatory for freshman students. So, uh, you know, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's just a little suspicious to me that, uh, a New York Times journalist would fail to, uh you know, recognize the significance of why the classics and why myths and legends in the Bible would be, you know, al- allegorical for us to live by today. Then again, it is in the New York Times, so maybe they're Maybe their, uh, you know, level of journalistic uh, standards has gone down for what they uh, require now. Probably so. Mm -mm. It makes sense. Okay, so going on. Mr. Peterson... Illustrates his arguments with copious references to ancient myths, bringing up stories of wishes, biblical allegories, and ancient traditions. I ask why these old stories should guide us today. Okay. It makes sense that a witch lives in a swamp. Yeah? He says. Why? It's a hard one. Right. That's right. You don't know. You don't know. It's because... Those things hang together at a very deep level, right? And it makes sense that an old king lives in a des- in a desiccated tower. But witches don't exist and they don't live in-, in swamps, I say. Yeah, they do. They do exist. They just don't exist in the way you think they exist. You might say... You might you might say, well, dragons don't exist. It's like, yes, they do. The category predator and the category dragon are one in the same category. It absolutely exists. It's a superordinate category. It exists absolutely more than anything else. In fact, it really does exist. What exists is not obvious. You say, well, there are no such thing as witches. Yeah, I know what you mean, but that isn't what you think when you go to see a movie. At them, you can't help but fall into these categories. There's no escape escape from them. So another uh, brief interjection I want to uh, make here, ladies and gentlemen, and this is one thing I've noticed with uh, liberal, with with liberals and leftists, just in general and uh i'm i'm i think i think ludwig you're you're a te- you're a teacher right uh i i mean i know you're a music teacher but you might be able to shed some light on this the left doesn't understand uh metaphor at all okay and peterson speaks in metaphors as does Milo a lot of the time, as does Ben Shapiro, as do I. Okay, but liberalism, and this is this is one of the big problems with public education and uh, even the universities. People don't understand general general writing conventions, and they don't they don't understand metaphors or similes or anything like like that these days, so obviously, if this, if this journalist doesn't understand, uh, metaphors, then Peterson's whole statement about witches and whatnot is clearly going to go over her head. Mm-mm. Okay. Recently, back to the article, um, recently, a young man named Alec Um, Maniason drove through Toronto trying to kill people with his van. Ten were killed and he has been charged with first-degree murder for their deaths and with attempted murder for 16 people who were injured. Mr. Maniason declared himself to be a part of the misogynist group whose members call themselves incels. The term is short for involuntary celibates. The the group has evolved into a male supremacist movement made up of people, some celibate, some not, who believe that women should be treated as sexual objects with few rights. Some, Some believe in forced sexual redistribution in which a governing body would intervene in women's lives to force them into sexual relationships. Violent attacks Okay, so I I love what they're going to do, because they're going to try and tie this radical group to uh to Peterson. They're not going to do it directly, but uh they're going to do it subtly here. Violent attacks are what happens when men do not have partners, Mr. Peterson says. And society needs to work to make sure that these men, those men, are married. He was angry at God, at God because a woman, woman rejected it, him. Mr. Peterson says of the Toronto killer. The cure for that is enforced monogamy. That's actually why monogamy emerges. Mr. Peterson does not pause when he says this. Enforced monogamy is, to him, a simple, rational solution. Otherwise, women will... we'll we'll all only go for the most high-status men, he says. And that couldn't make either gender happy in the end. Uh, By the way, I'm going to say something controversial here. But Mr. Peterson isn't completely, completely wrong when he says that Monogamy, that monogamy would be the best cure for this. Right? Now, I don't think that what Peterson is saying here is that we should enslave women, but rather, how I've always interpreted. Peterson's comments about monogamy, I've always interpreted them more, folks, personally, as more of a comment about um, women and men being allowed to just go and have sex with multiple partners aimlessly. You know, without any uh, repercussions whatsoever. That that's how but that's how I've always interpreted this, right? The the, the quote unquote sexual revolution of the nineteen sixties was really the one that promoted uh, love the one you're with. Not even so much love the one you love, but love the one you're with. You know, that that's what the whole Summer of Love was about and the whole sexual evolution of the 1960s. So, this whole bit about enforced monogamy, Peterson is not suggesting that women should be shackled and forced into uh, monogamous types of relationships okay that's what the that's what the times article suggests oh that you know Peterson thinks that we should shackle women and you know force them into monogamous relationships that that's the implication here folks but rather he says that rather the way I translate this and the rather the way that any sane person would translate this comment is that in is that monogamy would be a lot enforced monogamy meaning the promotion of monogamy and the sexual partnership between two monogamous partners is a lot better for society as a whole as opposed to the randomness and chaos of um you know, the sexual revolution, quote-unquote. So that's how, that's how that could be translated again. Again, this is a uh, complete, you know, slanderous piece, and a lot, of, a lot of Peterson's comments here are taken out of context, or there's no context given that at all, which is why this is such a damning, Hit piece in general. Okay, <clears throat> half the men fail, he says, meaning that they don't proc- procreate, and no one cares about the men who fail. I laugh because I I laugh because it's absurd. This is the Times writer writing about that. Yeah, so I, I was right, folks. She she really is a bitter feminist. Because, uh, you know, she's laughing at his remark, which is true. You're laughing about them, he says, giving me a disappointed look. That's because you're female. But aside from it, in. But aside from interventions that would redistribute sex, Mr. Peterson is staunchly against what he calls equality of outcomes, or efforts to equalize society. He usually calls them pa- pathological or evil. He agrees that this is inconsistent, but preventing hordes of single men from violence he believes is necessary, for the stability of society. Enforced monogamy helps neutralize that. Again, that whole comment with monogamy, which I just brought up 30 seconds ago, completely taken out of context. Instead, Okay. In situations where there's too much mate choice, a small percentage of the guys have hyper access to women. And so they don't form relationships with women, he said. And women hate that. Okay, so I will give them, I will give Nellie credit here. She does, br- she does actually bring the point up, but it, it takes her like about seven or eight paragraphs to bring it up, probably more. <clears throat> Helping men out one at a time. Okay, now I love this photo because <coughs> Peterson is <coughs> Peterson is, <coughs> Peterson is uh, on stage here. He looks he looks very dapper. I'll, I'll give him that. but again, the photographer paints him as being like depressed and uh, you know, anxious. Uh, the The photographer, uh, you can see uh, Dave Rubin is here, and uh, the the photographer also does a very unflattering, uh, you know, take on uh, Dave Rubin here. You know, Dave Dave Rubin. The photographer captured Dave Rubin here when he he kind of looks like zoned out, or um, you know, he's probably in the middle of like you know speaking or saying something, but. But the way the photographer has this, um, you know, shot, uh, Rubin himself kind of looks like, I don't know, stoned or zone out. Very infl- this, this was a very unflattering, uh, photo, and, uh, purposely done. Two. Yep, uh, ha, rave Dubin, Yep. Absolutely, yep. Uh, yeah this, yep. They got Rave Dubin in this uh, picture. the 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 exact the exact opposite of Dave Rubin here. Instead of a calm and composed Dave, we have his stoned and uh, you know disenfranchised cousin Rave Dubin, who looks you know confused and. Spaced out. Okay. Hmm. I, okay. I, I love this. Mr. Peterson is a celebrity in the men's right in the men's rights community, a loose collection of activists who feel that men have been subjugated or betrayed by social progress. Some of these supporters pay two hundred dollars a month for a forty-five minute Skype conversation with Mr. Peterson. To discuss their problems, Mr. Peterson says the service has since been discontinued. Now, the reason why I'm on the verge of laughing, folks, is because when the men's rights community, when when the men's rights movement started on Twitter, okay, the the men who started the men's rights activist groups on Twitter and on Facebook. They st- they started those they started those as a joke. It was satire of the women's rights movement. That's all it was. It was satire. It was poking fun at the feminist movement, the radical feminist, the feminist movement. And now I, I love it. We actually have. We actually have the New York York Times of all institutions writing about the men's rights community as if it's a real thing. I I love it. Of course, satire in some cases does become reality, but uh, it's still funny in my mind. Um. Before, before he leads me to his office to sit in on one of these appointments, Mister Peterson shows me around the third floor of his home, which is filled with carvings made by Charles Jo, Joseph, a Kawaka-waka artist. I think that's how you pronounce it. Over, over his bed is a painting celebrating electric electrification in the Soviet Union on the wall across from it is a hyper realistic painting of two nude women with with swords his bed is familiar it's the same Im- image as his Twitter avatar a dark geometric design based on a piece of art he made out of foam core 1985 they called the meaning of music He says it's an attempt to portray in an image what music means. He has had it made into into a rug as well. Mr. Peterson has objects scattered and strewn throughout. There's a hat from a gulag, some steampunk masks he thought were cool, stacks of paper papers and cords and a Kermit puppet is Zisterson because his fan because his fans joke that his voice high and hoarse sounds like the Muppet Mr. Peterson stresses the importance of cleanliness, cleanliness but honestly his office is a mess so what? That would be my reaction. And back to the article. For the Skype call, he he wears a sharp blazer and a button-down, but he sh- but he sits, shoeless and cross-legged. He knows where the frame cuts off. Again, I I I've done the same thing. I've 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 have worn a blazer on on this show before. I actually have a. I actually have a blazer hanging hanging up here on my suit rack, uh, right next to me. And uh, I'm usually shoeless when I when I do this podcast to folks in my office chair. Um, you know, ooh, that that's maniacal for some reason now. The caller... Trevor Alexander Nestor is a young white man, bearded, unemployed, at a friend's house. He later posted the audio on his own Patreon. I'm really hoping that someone is going to recognize my talent, Mr. Nestor says. Mr. Nestor says he recently wrote a paper on how testosterone levels and sperm count are dropping he agrees so, sociocultural transformations are probably making men less, less virile. And Mr. Peterson nods along. At one point in the discussion, Mr. Peterson, who has been relatively quiet, becomes heated on the topic of women who find marriage oppressive. Quote, So I don't really... So I don't know who who these people think marriages are are oppressing, he says. I I read Betty Friedan's book because I was very curious about it. And it's so whiny. It's just enough to drive a modern person mad to listen to these suburban housewives from the late 50s ensconced in their comfortable, secure living and their comfortable, secure lives complaining about the fact that they're bored just because they don't have enough opportunity it's like Jesus for Christ's sakes you you just get a hobby uh, mr. Nestor says he was an engineering student at the University of California Berkeley but he decided to transfer after feeling after feeling overcome by the over dogma when he took theater classes for his humanity re- required, they were teaching in the classrooms things like Martin Luther King Jr. would have supported violent re- rebellion, and, m- and marriage is an institution that is designed to control the sexuality of women, he says. Which, uh, yeah, when you're going to UC Berkeley, it doesn't really surprise me at all that they're teaching that kind of crap. But I digress. Back to, back to the article. Oops, my, uh, my earbud fell Um, <clears throat> Mr. Peterson has a verbal tick, where it makes a sound like, mm-hmm, a guttural, forceful noise to signify agreement, barked in two distinct beats. His mouth stays closed. Ooh, how ominous. I've talked to a few young women, and they've told me they do wish they could be housewives, but what they've said to me is that they feel as though they were to pursue that other people would look down on them. Folks, I've actually uh, encountered this myself, too. I, I know some, I know one or two women that that go to my uh, college, and uh, they've said in classroom in classrooms, and in classes that I've been a part of that they want to be wives as well, and the professors have, you know, kind of scoffed at them. So, uh, you know, this crap actually happens, ladies and gentlemen. It's not, it's not fake, despite what the New York Times would like you to think. I've had lots of women, women tell me that, Mr. Peterson says. Women will never admit that publicly. Women are likely to, to prioritize their children over their work, he says especially conscientious and agreeable women. When Mr. Peterson talks about good women, the sort a man would want to marry, he often uses these words, conscientious and agreeable. Mr. Nestor feels anxious, and Mr. Peterson says he should. My primary focus has been not to be homeless, Mr. Nestor says. You don't have a future, and you don't have a job, and, and no bloody wonder you're anxious, Mr. Peterson says. That just means you're sane. Okay. Uh, okay, Th- thanks for tuning in, Jason. Um, uh, male performance. Jacob Logan, 18, from Alliston, Ontario was first in line for Mr. Peterson's talk on Thursday, May 3rd, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. He had arrived 12 hours earlier, wearing a shirt with lobsters stacked upon each other. He also had 100 name tags to hand out, on which he had scrawled the name Bucko. It's a nickname Mr. Peterson sometimes uses for his fans. Whenever I listen to him, it's like he's telling me something. It's like he's telling me something I already knew. Mr. Logan says, "Learning is remembering." When Mr. Peterson comes down the line from shaking hands, the crowd cheers in a way that is not normal for a book tour. He is wearing a new three-piece suit, shiny and brown with white lapels, with a decorative silver flourish. It is evocative of a imagery from a hundred years ago. That's the point. His speech, too, is from another era. Another, uh, stilted with old tiny phrases. A hypnotic rhythm. It's a vocal tactic he came to only recently. Videos from, from a few years ago have him speaking in a more modern way. I ask him about the retro clothes and phrases. He calls it his he calls it his prairie populism. That's what happens when you rescue your father from the belly of the whale, he says. You rediscover your tradition. Miss Bone loves her flight attendant job Oh, let's see. Inside among the crowd was Sue Bone, 66, a retired flight attendant from Halifax. Miss Bone loved her flight attendant job until she began to find it dehumanizing and corporate. Her friend told her the airlines were now just run by angry gay queens, she says. She found Mr. Peterson. She feels he understands the danger of these strange new social forces. He is waking us up in the west," she says. Okay. We're almost done. We're almost done with this, and then uh, we can move on. Okay. The people have found their leader. You are a divine. You are a divine locus of consciousness, Mister Meter. Mr. Peterson tells the crowd of 1,200 people, 1,200 or so people. He looks down as he walks. He paces. He pleads. He often sounds frustrated, like you've just heard something absurd and he's trying to correct you without raising his voice. He speaks for an hour or so without any notes. He runs his hands over his face when it's all too much. He cries often. We love you, a woman screams from the back of the house. Those with VIP tickets get to shake his hand and take a picture. Many him something as they stand, waiting for the flash. You made me have a, a religious experience. We got back into our faith because of you. This is another wedding you can take credit for. Mr. Peterson's response is often, How is that working out for you? Around midnight, there's still a group outside, lingering and talking. Uh, Lion Arar, 22, a theater student in Montreal, says that Mr. Peterson's discussion of gender brought him back to religion it makes it made sense in a primordial way when he when he breaks down Adam and Eve the snake in chaos Mr. Error says Eve made Adam self-conscious women make men self-conscious because they're the ultimate judge I was like wow this is really true The changes in his life include starting to clean his room. My mom's been been nagging me for years, but I've never done it until Dr. Peterson, he said. You organize one shelf, you do that, just incremental challenges, he says. That makes you realize, okay, this is how I grow up. Andrew McVicars, 45, a waiter, says it was good to hear someone find talk. about hierarchies were okay. He says current politics are pushing for everyone to be the same, promoting women and minorities into, into unearned positions. It's forced diversity. It's saying you must have X percent of ABC, he says. How about look at yourself? Okay. Now here's here's the uh, the picture of Peterson they've uh I guess on stage at that uh event. Okay. Uh Jeffrey. Rouillard, 21, from Montreal and also studying theater, says he was drawn to Mr. Peterson after watching a prominent female journalist grill him. Quote, how many times have I been in a situation where I've been set up to be the bad guy? Mr. Rouillard asks. Listening to Dr. Peterson, I got a grasp of myself. It's things I already knew, but now I know how to process the thought. Agreeing, Mr. Eyre gave off the same guttural mm mm-hmm that Mr. Peterson does. The Whore of Women. This is the next section. To Noreen Shamim, who works at the Association for Women's Rights in Development, which is based in Canada, Mr. Peterson's philosophies are part of a, rigor of a bigger global backlash to gender equality progress. It's an odd story, really, she said. In a lot of nationalistic projects, women's bodies and sexualities be- become important sites of focus and control. Jordan exposed something that's been festering for a long time, says Justin Trottier, 35, the co-founder of the men's rights organizations, Canadian Association for Equality, and the Canadian Center for Men and Families. Jordans forced people to pay attention. Mr. Tretty Air made headlines when his group called the, called the anti men spreading subway initiatives sexist. Which, uh, those anti man spreading uh, initiative folks, they are indeed sexist. Mm, back to the article. Their musty space hosts events. Events in which men discussed the prejudices they perceive against him. One of their group's main goals is waking the police up to female perpetuated domestic violence, he says. Mr. Trudier says, Now there's more acceptance of what we're trying to do, he says. There are now regular Jordan Peterson discussion groups. The one in Toronto meets once once a week at a restaurant called Hemingway, Hemingway's and is run by Chris Shepard, who used to be a professional pickup artist who coached, men on how to lay, who coached men on how to get light fast at a club but is now a dating co- coach. Mr. Shepard... First encountered Mr. Peterson in a viral video of the pro- professor getting yelled at by campus activists. Watching the Stoke professor take on righteous liberal anger, touched Mr. Shepard. Campus, campus uh, censorship has been a problem when I was at university, too. He says at Hemingway's one recent afternoon. I ask for an example. That's the journalist. Quote, one law professor says something like, you young ladies should get married and start families. And he got fired, Mr. Shepard says. The message was just, you'll have a happier life if you got married instead of focusing on your career. Certainly not a firing offense he says except for now it is. All right and that is the end of this Jordan Peterson op ed ladies and gentlemen and uh, in my opinion folks, it's uh it's pretty. Well, if you want my honest opinion, folks, it kind of ends here abruptly. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want the uh honest God truth, um I mean ah <sighs> Yeah, it just, it ends abruptly, and it's just weird. Um, now it is the journalist, or I, I, even, I, even hate, I even hate to use the word journalist. When uh, referring to her here, it's such an obvious and uh, blatant hit piece. The way she takes things out of, out of context. Here, here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the way she says that. Oh, those men. Those men's meeting groups. That they talk about perceived. They talk about perceived, you know, threats from feminists against them. And, uh... I mean, I I knew... So here's the bottom line about Peterson. I knew that this was going to happen uh, eventually here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm not at all really surprised that this is happening um not 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 at all. It 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 was ma it was a matter of time before they went after Peterson and because he uh you know, he's speaking against the feminist uh you know, movement and, uh third wave feminism so obviously they have to crucify him as like some sort of right- wing misogynist and yet if you listen to any of Jordan Peterson's lectures he's not for enslaving women or degrading them rather he's he's for, he's for stating that hey traditional gender roles aren't that bad and yeah maybe maybe more men would be happy if they could suce- maybe they would be happier if they could uh successfully find a mate easier let's see okay uh youtube wants me to moderate this re- real quick so here I am moderating okay oh uh, oh I'm not I'm not a moderator on this uh, channel for uh, I'm not a moderator on my uh, alternative channel which I'm viewing this never mind. Um. Anyway, continuing on, as I was saying, uh, this is such a blatant hit piece on uh, Peterson. What it is in general, man, it's to say it's a. Honest profile is laughable. It's so skewed in one direction. It's it's not it's not even funny I, against Peterson. But you know what? It's it's going to it's going to backfire on on uh, the New York Times. I think. I mean, the credibility is already shot. But I think. I think more and more people are just going to uh, start watching Jordan Peterson's fin- uh, speeches and whatnot and buying his book because of this piece. That's what I predict. Hmm. Alright, uh... <clears throat> sorry about the, uh... Sorry about the, uh... Coughing here and uh, clearing my throat. <clears> throat. As I mentioned, I've been fighting off allergies. It's it's that time of year again, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but the I mean the the Peterson thing was a big deal this uh, week, so I did want to. Spend so much uh, time on that, just to kind of break down this op-ed. People asked me to do that, so that's what I wanted to do for this uh, show. But uh, before we conclude the show, I do have a couple of uh, things I I do want to uh, cover in terms of clips because uh, you know clearly I I do like to play other audio sound bites uh, from the week so another big headline from uh this week was the uh the mainstream media claimed that trump called all immigrants uh animals and this was a blatant lie what trump was referring to was in fact uh ms-13 he called ms-13 a known uh criminal uh organization a known gang he called them animals and yet the uh the mainstream media has been parading around all week saying that trump called all immigrants animals and that this is further proof that he's a racist and why we and that this is why we need to impeach him. And uh, this made a bunch of headlines this week. Again, the press is doing a nothing burger because they they, they can't understand why Trump is so successful and why so many Americans like him. So, as a result of this, ladies and gentlemen, now, they're just saying whatever they can to paint him as a, uh, a bigot. But uh, Trump came back with what I thought was a brilliant, um, well, not even so much a brilliant retort to this, but just um, a, ma- a matter-of-fact statement. So, this... uh this clip is from NBC News. I know, uh, but this is at one of the uh, president's press conferences uh, earlier this week. Cut number one, go. Could you
1: clarify Yeah. Some people well, it has nothing to do with this meeting, but I'm referring, and you know I'm referring, to the MS-13 gangs that are coming in. Uh, and I was talking about the MS-13, and also, and if you look a little bit further on in the tape, you'll see that. So I'm actually surprised you're asking this question, because most people got it right. But I'm saying <laughs> the MS-13, you don't have that where you come from. MS-13, these are animals. They're coming into our country, we're getting them out. They come in again, we're getting them out. We need strong immigration laws. We have the weakest laws in the entire world. We have laws that are laughed at on immigration. So when the MS-13 comes in, when the other gang members come into our country, I refer to them as animals. And guess what? I always will. But we're getting them out by the thousands. But it's a big, dangerous job. And they're able, in some cases, to come back in or new groups come in also from the gangs. Thank you.
2: Hey, NBC News viewers, thanks for checking.
0: Okay, shut up there. Uh, what's his face? The media bias against Trump. See, now they're not even able to criticize his policies all that well, ladies and gentlemen. They're literally searching for nothing at this point in a blatant attempt to try and smear him. And uh, the fact that Trump isn't playing ball with him is brilliant. By the way, most of those gangs from Mexico and South America are animals, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm curious, for those of you in the chat, has anyone here ever... Has anyone here, uh, in the, in the chat, in the current chat, watched, uh, the show Narcos on Netflix? Okay, well, for those of you, uh, either watching or listening on the pod, on the podcast, Narcos is a show on Netflix, uh, it, it's a, it's a historical drama, it it is based on fact, but some of it is dramatized, obviously for effect. But it's about uh, Pablo Escobar and the uh, and the cartel and the the DEA agents who uh, took Pablo Escobar down. And uh, a large, and I mean the show. The show is really well done, folks. It's it's one of my favorite series on Netflix. It's it's one of the best series Netflix has put out in, in a while, I think. And it really shows the brutality of some of these, um, of the Colombian drug lords and the criminal cartels. And, uh, you know, they were brutal. And, I mean, Pablo Escobar himself was an animal as Trump... Is describingly he, he he was a he was a brutal animal, um, and no one had a problem saying that back in the eighties and nineties when Reagan and when Reagan was president, and then when Bush the first was uh, president. But this is how. This is just how uh, lopsided and stupid the media has become in this country in 2018. We can't even call criminals, uh, degenerate criminals, which is what they are. We, we can't even call animals for what they are, which is animals. And it's maddening. Well, this uh, this unfair slandering of of Trump by the mainstream media. It's it was so outrageous that even Glenn Beck, who uh, who once hated Donald Trump, and who during the twenty sixteen election was head of the Never Trump movement has said that now he will vote for Trump in 2020. Okay? Let me repeat that once again. Because of the media's slanderous uh, remarks towards Donald Trump, and because the media is so dishonest, they are so vile, and everyone knows it now. Anyone with a brain knows it. Even Glenn Beck, who hates Donald, who, who once hated Donald Trump, with a passion, and who was the self-proclaimed leader of the Never Trump movement during the 2016 election, even he is coming around and saying now that he will vote for President Trump in 2020. Because he is simply disgusted with the way the mainstream media has treated our president. Uh, Take a look. Cut number two,
2: go. Here's why I'm predicting a 2020 win. When I saw yesterday how the press was all reporting the same damn story that Donald Trump was calling MS-13 gang members, they left that out of the story, animals, and they were spinning it as if he was saying that about all immigrants, I'd had enough, I'd have enough. Media, if you can get me, Glenn Beck, to do this... And in case you're only listening to us on radio, I just donned a red Make America Great Again hat. If you can drive me to the point to where I say, "Uh, you know what, I've had enough, I'll vote for him in 2020, gladly I'll vote for him in 2020, and not really even on his record, which we'll talk about here in a second, is pretty damn amazing. But if you can drive me to the point to where I'll wear one of these stupid red hats, I'm telling you, you're making a gigantic mistake, and I welcome it. I welcome it. Because anything that gets dishonest, corrupt people that don't care about the truth at all. So what did you do yesterday? What did you do after you said... Uh, Oh, well, you know, Donald Trump, he hates all immigrants. Look what he said. He called them animals. You just deleted the tweets. You deleted them. And then, and then you have the audacity to start furthering the conversation on, well, you know, even if he did mean that, they're not animals. Shut up. Shut up. If those animals took your daughter and did what they've done to other Americans' daughters, you'd call them an animal. And if they're not animals, I don't know what
0: is. Welcome back to the Conservative Movement, Mr. Beck. It's about damn time. Now, I've had issues with Glenn Beck in the past for criticizing Trump rather fair, rather unfairly and rather harshly. And I still don't appreciate the fact that he called Milo Yiannopoulos a Nazi and made comparisons to Joseph Goebbels and said that Trump was an ungodly man. When, uh, you know, Beck's. Beck. He had no. He had no right to make that. Proclamation that Trump was an ungodly man. He wouldn't know. That's only between Trump and, you know, God to decide that. I was really pissed off with Beck during the election and even afterwards when he continued the ridiculous never Trump narrative. But I am willing to forgive him. And I understand that he's still skeptical of Trump in many ways. Listen, Trump's not a perfect president. And if, we can't, if, and if we can't question him as conservatives ourselves, then we're not true conservatives either. But the fact that Beck is willing to stand behind the president and call the mainstream media out on their BS when they're being unfair... tells me that Glenn Beck is coming back into the fold and that is huge ladies and gentlemen I, I met him I met Glenn Beck a few years ago in 2012 so uh, you know there's that, that there's that too and when I met Glenn Beck he was still conservative then he uh then he kind of lost his way went went more into conspiracy theory, truth or mode, then he went into the whole never trump phase, but now, after about five years or so, it finally looks like he's coming back back to sanity and and I'm glad so i'm I'm glad that he's willing to defend Trump and willing to call the mainstream media out on their bullcrap for uh Being so dishonest and so disingenuous. But it also looks like he's willing to look at President Trump's uh, record. And give it a fair shake as well. So let me continue this clip from uh, Glenn Beck. This is cut number two. uh, Clip number two. Continued. uh, Go.
2: Now, does that mean that we just shoot them in the streets and then eat them? No. What are you? Are you a first grader? Oh, no, you're not. Oh, you keep reminding us that you're some of the best educated people in the world. And don't tell me, New York Times, that you didn't have a fact checker on. Did nobody in the entire New York Times, did nobody in the Associated Press stop and say, wait a minute, can we see what the sentence before this clip was? The sentence before. It's not like you had to go a long way for context. Just about 10 seconds. Rewind the tape about 10 seconds. See, you know why people are done with this? Yeah, you can say Donald Trump is a bully. And you know what? Donald Trump doesn't need anybody to defend himself. Um, he He is quite capable of taking care of himself. That's clear. But he's one guy. And this is the way it's beginning to appear. And it has for a while but when you can get me to don a Make America Great Again hat, I think it's permeated everywhere. He's one guy. You're a legion of people, and don't think that I don't think at some point you might say, we are legion. You're a legion of people with global resources, 24 hours a day, hammering one man. Just hammering over and over and over again. And you don't believe in your case. You don't believe that the truth is enough. You just got to make stuff up. You, this is truly Trump derangement syndrome you have to look at this man and say, okay, you know what? There's some things I don't like. There's some things that maybe I do like. Or there's things that he does that I think are really wrong, but look at these. These things are changing the world. Now, how you balance that is fine, but you can't give this guy Anything. In fact, it's not that you won't give him anything. It's not that you just won't report on good things. You have to make up bad things. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. So that is today. And I know I ask forgiveness on Donald Trump, from Donald Trump, on this. Please forgive me, Mr. Trump, for predicting that you will sweep in 2020, because every time I ever am for a candidate, they always lose. So I won't endorse you because that's the kiss of death. But I will tell you, the things that you have done as the president are remarkable, remarkable, I yesterday, because of the New York Times and Associated Press, I yesterday went and looked at your campaign promises. And then I looked at what you've done. I'm going to do that on the radio here in just a second. It's remarkable. And in fact, just Israel alone may be the ballsiest and best thing I have ever seen any president do in my lifetime. And that's saying something because I'm a pretty big fan of, oh, I don't know, killing communism with Ronald Reagan.
0: Holy shit. Glenn, Glenn Beck is back. As I as I said before, folks, I've I've been skeptical, uh, you know, that he would ever come back to the to the conservative movement, but it fully uh you know it fully seems that this is the case, and you know if uh you know since Beck seems to be willing to uh, give Trump a second chance, I mean I I'm glad that this is the case, uh. If that's the case, welcome back to the uh, conservative movement, Mr. Beck. I'm glad you finally saw the, uh, saw the light. Alright, we have one final clip to uh, play here, and then we'll be hitting 10 o'clock, or pretty close to it, which will be the end of the show. Uh... Going back to uh, Jordan Peterson, I wanted to play this clip for you a few. Uh, I wanted to play this clip for you a few weeks ago, but uh, it wasn't here yet. Uh, we've kind of had a Jordan Peterson themed show this evening. Um, so what I what I want to do this is the clip of uh Jordan Peterson's appearance on Real Time with, with Bill Maher when he asks how can the country uh, be unified how can the divide between left and right in this country be gapped how can it be abridged and no one on this panel gives Peterson an honest uh I feel at least no one on this panel gives Peterson an honestly thought well thought out answer. Uh clip number three go
2: but, but, but make
3: but make no mistake about it, it's locked and loaded.
4: Can, can, <laughs> can I ask a <laughs>
3: can trump I ask is like Why can't a I question get this about guy. this? Yes. I mean, please. I've been
4: listening to yeah. all of this about Trump and watching how these conversations go in the U.S. and I have yeah. one question about it. I mean, there's all these people in the U.S. who are on the conservative side who are aligned with Trump for all sorts of reasons, and there's all this tension around his presidency and attempts to pull him out of his office for various reasons. And like, what what do you think will happen if that comes to pass? What, what do you think will happen to these people that have identified with Trump and and like? How is it that that, that Democratic types, for example, are holding out their hand to say to these conservative types, sort of like, welcome back into the fold? Because it looks to me, from an an outsider's perspective, that that your country is polarizing in a way that's not good, and that, you know, people are going after Trump, and I understand that. It's not like I don't understand that, but there's all these people that elected him and that are identified with him, and they're, they're not taking this well, you know, and so, well, they're not, they're not, it's not, and... You know, you might not think they're very bright and all of that, and, and you know, they're backwards and, and, and all of those things. But, but, you, but you, you know, you need to have respect for the rest of your citizens and if, you're, if your country isn't going to pull itself apart. And I really see this happening from an outsider's perspective when I come down here. And I lived in the States well, for a while, and it wasn't
3: like you know, this before. If he, if he was just a regular Republican president with Republican policies, I would say you'd have a point. But what what is so alarming is the assault on democratic norms, what we were talking about here today. Things like threatening to put people in jail, threatening to put journalists in jail, wanting military parades, praising dictators, wanting to be a dictator. I mean, we are at a moment here, this is, I try to impress on this on the people who are too young to remember a lot of presidents and a lot of elections, Mm. how incredibly different this is than anything that ever came before. I never much liked the other Republicans who were in office, but I have a renewed respect for them. George, (laughs) George Bush and Mitt Romney would not have tried to pull this shit. They just wouldn't. What about Nixon? Nixon got caught, and he gave himself up, basically. Well, although, he, although this president makes the Watergate burglars look brilliant.
4: Right. <laughs> well, but <laughs> it, it seems to me to that Jordan's it's not a point. We can, we can be as tough as we're being on the president, I think we should, for all the reasons you just said, Bill,
0: without telling him. Okay, I, I, want, I want you to notice something here real quick. Peterson asks a fairly, I think at least, fairly straightforward uh, question. How can we unify the country that the country isn't isn't unified? At no point do any of the panelists answer this question. At least not yet in this clip. Well. Richard Nixon, not even Richard Nixon would have tried to pull the shit that, you know, Trump has. Romney and, Romney and Bush, I, I would have still respected them. By the way, go back to any of, uh, Mars, go back to any of Bill Mars uh, episodes. Go back to any Bill Mars clips from... The 2012 election he's en- he's endlessly mocking Mitt Romney and criticizing him and calling him the worst human being so uh yeah Bill I'm gonna say this you're full of shit you're full of shit and uh, and so is this entire panel It's 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 not just Trump derangement sy- syndrome that the left is suffering from folks. It's it's not even it's not even conservative derangement syndrome. That's certainly part of it, but it's more just moderate derangement syndrome, right? Anyone who is not exactly as far to the left as they are is their enemy. Anyone who doesn't agree with them. Exactly. 100%. Must be like a Nazi. A sexist. A racist. A homophobe. All of, all of those buzzwords. And. Uh, yeah. That's why the New York Times. That's why CNN. That's why. Uh, real time. That's why nobody likes. These shows. I mean, it's it's a it's a good thing H, HBO has Game of Thrones and uh, Silicon Valley and a few other good uh, you know drama and comedy series because if you guys had to rely on Bill Maher for for uh, ratings, H B O would be in the toilet right right now. But I digress. Anyway, like I said. They have not managed to answer JBP's, uh, question at all. And yet, and yes, Kimmy, uh, I know you love JBP. I'm, uh, I'm warming up to it myself. I'm not totally in the, in the, uh, Jordan Peterson fan group yet. I, I haven't bought the book yet, but the more and more the left complains, I'm, the more tempted I am to do so continuing on
4: his supporters that they're stupid, without saying that right. of deplorables, if we want to bring them around to what I would say is a more enlightened. Uh, kind of thinking and if we, want, if we want them to see Donald Trump as someone who's turned the presidency into one long infomercial for Mar-a-Lago you know we're, we can do that without saying to them you've been duped you're chumps, you're dumb, you're deplorable and I think we need to talk to them with more generosity than we do
1: I'm, I'm
2: confused about how this dovetails with your
0: Okay that was the first semi-decent comment that I've heard from anyone on the panel. The guy who who just spoke said that we at least need to speak to Trump supporters. Yeah, no crap you guys do.
1: Thesis that the left is too preoccupied with being non-confrontational. Right? The left it, is too preoccupied with... Well, just that, we are, that is That's interesting. Not. Okay, yeah, that's, no, all right. No, that's I'm a good question. The idea that, that liberals, especially, <clears throat> intellectuals, are, are preoccupied with politically correct speech, that they're oh, not...
4: Oh, I see, I see.
1: And, and yet...
4: No, they're pre, too preoccupied with, with identity politics by a large margin. And they tend to categorize everyone by their ethnicity and their sex and their gender. And I think all that does is turn people into... Tribal actors, and that the end result of that is catastrophe.
1: were not you also saying, though, that that the left is too worried about offending people?
4: I think that that goes along long way. I will. With, yes. Wait. Yes. Well, that goes. <laughs> a,
1: but then, on the other hand, when the left, for example, offends people in the political sphere, you're questioning whether that's somehow bad for society writ large.
4: Well, I'm concerned about, I don't, I think that those two issues are, I think that those two issues are somewhat separate. I'm concerned about the, the dialogue in the United States around the presidency pulling people, people farther and farther apart. It has nothing to do with the behavior of Trump. I think this is an independent issue. You can, you can say positive or negative but things about Trump as But he's only there
3: support him. I, I mean, know. That's the thing. Is it's but not, that's the issue. That's the, that's the issue. Is they did support him. And, without and so, the circus, he's just a lonely clown. Yeah, but he has these people in Congress who are enablers and this base that it is a cult of personality, not unlike dictatorships we've seen in the past. I mean, he said once famously, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and not lose any fans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he he has proved that to be almost true. I mean, we cannot imagine what he would do where they were turning him because I don't know what that would be. I don't think it's anything because whatever it was, he would just say, well, it's fake news.
4: But, but, okay, so imagine he's impeached, just for the sake of argument. Impeached
3: or convicted.
4: Okay, either of those.
3: But it seems to me... Well, that matters. One, he has to leave.
4: Yeah, no, it's not not an unimportant detail, but it still seems to me that it leaves you with the problem of what do you do with the disaffected 40% that are going to be very unhappy
3: about this, independent of Trump's behavior. Kind of like the Sunnis after we kicked over Saddam. Well, that's that's a hell they of a place to cite. Yes, mm-hmm. right. That's right. what I worry yeah. about. Trump's suggest support.
1: that yeah. this is an argument uh, looking
0: for. Hey, if Bill Maher is concerned with uh, Trump support supporters, I mean, I I can't even be insulted by that by that remark, uh, just because. It's laughable. Bill Maher just tried basically to say that if Trump were to impeach, that Trump Trump supporters would, you know, would congregate and become like an ISIS-type regime. Do you know how illogical and just downright stupid that comparison sounds? ISIS is in a whole nother universe of, I mean, let's just, let's just accept for, let's accept Bill Maher's premise for a sec that Trump supporters are insane and crazy. Let's just, let's just accept that premise as being true for a sec. Okay, what the, what the hell does that make ISIS then? Okay. If, if Trump supporters are crazy, what does that make ISIS then? Keep in mind, I, ISIS is the, is the group of freaks from the Middle East who have no qualms with beheading journalists... An innocence on camera and broadcasting it for the for the entire world to say, even even in Bill Maher's retarded land of liberalism and I mean that that is partially why real time is so great because and. Believe me, there have, been, there have been moments where I have given Bill Maher credit on things when he when he's called out other liberals for being uh, too soft on Islam. I get that. But then there are other moments like this where I'm just like, okay, Bill Maher is still a stupid liberal. Like I said, there there are times when I do want to, uh, you know, give Bill Maher credit for at least trying to be semi-intelligent, but then there are other moments like this where I'm like, how does Bill Maher even make the connection between Trump supporters and ISIS members, for God's sakes? It's, it's retarded. It's little... It's, this is literally the definition of retarded. And how... I, I, think, I think I might even know some medically re- retarded people who Make more sense than this. In fact, I, I'm I'm pretty sure people with Down syndrome couldn't even keep, couldn't even make this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure people with Down syndrome have more logic than this. Not even they would compare Trump's uh, Trump's supporters to ISIS. It's laughable how bad how bad this is. And again, only one guy has. On this panel has basically said, yeah, you know what, maybe we should start a dialogue with Trump supporters. One guy out of six people on this panel, not including Peterson. Oy, oy, oy. Argument rather than a solution. We're not waiting for
1: impeachment, we're making sure that people understand Donald Trump cannot stop us today. Donald Trump could not stop me from the first net neutrality bill to make sure people have access to the Internet. He could not stop us from doing that. He could stop us. He cannot stop us from acting on climate change with all this bloviating saying it, it's just a hoax. He can't stop us from fi- fighting climate change. He can't stop us from having the best uh, paid family leave and well, sick leave he, policy. He can't stop he, us he, when we demonstrate. People progress us from in our states.
3: Washington state. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he certainly no
1: one. That's an absurd. He certainly state. is
3: stopping us from protecting the environment. He has signed executive orders. Right, the first thing he did in office would he has was bo- to sign an order that said, "Hey." You want to dump your coal sludge in the streams? Go right ahead. The head of the EPA is Scott Pruitt. He's reversed all of... No, apart. he just changed it to the Environmental Pollut- Pollutants Association. I, I know, but he's but just to say he can't stop and us... And he's changed is, the tax
4: it, landscape
0: everywhere. Absolutely. I mean, you... Environmental Pollutants Association. That, that was the last horrible attempt at comedy. That was a bad attempt at a joke. Okay, the left isn't funny even when they try. They're not. Save the save the political comedy to someone like Dennis Miller or Owen Benjamin or someone who can at least do it. Hell, I'm 23 and I'm better at it. Same same with same with my friend uh, DJ, DJ Neer DJ nee here. Save save the jokes for him. He's better at it. And he wears suspenders and weird glasses. So uh Do anything he's in cha- your state. And he's do appointing away with, yeah.
3: he's appointing crazy judges left yes. and right. So here's he's good changing things as we speak. We don't cover up. it because of Stormy Daniels. But all of this is going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What can I say? He's okay. get, used, get, get used to it. Okay. <laughs> All right. We didn't get to any questions, but it was a wonderful panel. Thank you, everybody. Happy Thursday.
0: Okay. So in that, oh god, I don't, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> let me change the cam, the camera. So in that entire clip, the panel doesn't even, even answer, uh, you know, Peterson's question, which is basically. Hey, how do we uh, how do we unite the country? So, um, I no, I, I I've I've seen you wear I've seen you wear wear glasses, knee, and now you're now you're trying. Well, I've seen you wear sunglasses. How's how's that? I, I've seen I've seen you wear those fancy uh, knee TV glasses, which now you're you're selling as part of your your uh, insurance thing. But by the way, uh go go to go to uh ladies and gentlemen and sign up for uh one of their plans So uh there there you go there there you go Nia I just I just shilled for you so um But, uh, anyway, yeah, so, yeah, that, so again, I, I want to, like I said, I, I want to, every time I want to give Bill Maher credit for saying something, you know, semi-smart like criticizing Islam, believe me, he, 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 he will say some smart things like that, but then he'll also... Say, uh, you know, dumb things like, you know, Trump supporters are one step away from ISIS. It, like I said, it's, it's stupid. It's utterly stupid. Alrighty, folks. Well, we had a jam-packed, uh, show tonight, and, uh, it's five minutes after ten, so I think it's time to just about wrap up the show. Uh, like I said, uh, at the beginning of the show, we're gonna be changing the time, uh, the show will be starting at 6 next week, as opposed to 8, uh, in preparation for, uh, the Danger Zone starting at 8 next week, uh, unless, unless, of course, Brian, I'll, I'll have to talk to Brian Eskew about, uh, that so I'll have to ask to uh I'll have to ask Brian you about that he, he he might he might start the danger zone at, at 10 I'm, I might be able to keep it to keep the slot <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know so uh anyway now and now now John is uh now John <laughs> now John is trolling himself with uh with two accounts See, this is this is when the show gets really entertaining. When when the chat, <laughs> when the when the chat gets uh, involved. Um, anyway, folks. Like I said, uh, well, we'll be making announcements regarding the uh the time change, regardless. Um, but anyway, folks. Uh, as I always mentioned... at the end, at the beginning and the end of the show, if you like the show. Please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up. We've received 13 likes on the uh, on the live stream so far. One dislike, which uh, is good. Even if you dislike, it's still feedback, so that's better than nothing. Uh, so give us a like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Anchor.fm forward slash WhitfieldReport is where you can subscribe to The audio Podcast. If You can follow me on Twitter at samw underscore ngc, hashtag WhitfieldReport. You can go to uh, Gab and follow me on Gab at Sam Whitfield. Follow me on Instagram at samw underscore ngc. Go to my website, thesamwhitfield.com, and facebook.com forward slash WhitfieldReport is where you can find The show notes and everything else. And with that, folks, that is the show, and I am out of here. I'll see you next week for another edition of the Whitfield Report. Good night, God bless, and God save this great nation, ladies and gentlemen. God bless.